0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chris and Chelsea. And guess what? We're still in Hosea.
0: Sound like you were thinking about
1: your name? Uh, I actually said, <laughs> my I, name all, is I, I actually <laughs> almost said, "Hi, my name is Chris." Actually, and then I was like, "Wait, that would be dumb because it's because it's not." <laughs> That's not my name, actually. You can call yourself Chris. That's okay. Uh,
0: Listen, it's the last this thing is, is what happens when you
1: <laughs> try to do four episodes in a day. There's a lot of Ryans around here. There's not as many Chrises. You know what is? <laughs> this is probably extra credit, <laughs> but a lady that I bumped into this weekend, she was like, oh, you're a Ryan, too. She's like, you're not the Ryan I usually see, but I didn't know that you're Ryan, too. I was like, that's offensive to me because I was the first Ryan here. So I'm already outshined by multiple other <laughs> Ryans. You're Ryan the first. <laughs> So. Uh, <laughs> does Brian any of that matter first. to Joseo? No, no, it doesn't actually. No, we hear you. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, as we deal with with Joseo, we talked a little bit about uh, just prophecies in general yesterday. We talked a little bit about the themes. Uh, today, we want to actually drill a little bit further into the actual story of things, like what the nuts and bolts of what is happening in this book. So. Uh, Chris, do you mind starting us off sure. with this? So yeah. what
0: is happening? So in this what's Bible? going
2: on? <laughs> so uh, this is one of those things that sometimes when people read these things in the Bible, they're like, so did that really happen? Like, is that really a a real thing? And what happens in prophetic literature sometimes is that God actually tells the prophets to actually do something that is, it's called an enacted symbol. It's a, a symbol that they are acting out, they are living out in real life, but it's a symbol. So it actually happened, but then it carries a message to the reader Uh, And it also is something that gets heard about and told, again, that future generations hear about this. So in this particular story, of course, God tells uh, Hosea to go and marry a prostitute, to marry Gomer. And it's that act and then what happens with the children and even their names, it's part of the message here that is illustrated to uh, really drive home this point. And when you put yourself kind of in the shoes of Hosea, like, it starts to become more real. I mean, imagine you're Hosea and however, you know, prophets knew that they knew uh, that God was telling them to do something. You're like, God says, go marry a prostitute. And it's like, um, wait a second. uh Did we get that right? Like, I mean, that breaks how many commands and how many laws? Like... But no, God will do these things sometimes, and it's a memorable thing. I mean, it's like every time you see this guy or you see that lady or those kids, you're going to remember this message, and hopefully it leads people to repentance. Um, So, this is one of the tools that God used in the Old Testament uh, to communicate with His people, and uh, sometimes it was pretty, pretty
1: memorable. Now, imagine you're not in Hosea's shoes. (laughs) Imagine you're in Hosea's friend from high school's shoes. (laughs) wrong with that guy?
2: <laughs> yeah, imagine the counsel Jose I got from his friends. Like, hey, dude, don't think this is a good relationship for you. I'm just not sure.
1: Like, how exactly do you hear from God again?
2: She's got a bit of a reputation. <laughs>
1: um,
2: I think
0: of Gomer, and she's probably like, what, you want to marry me? <laughs> like, she's probably, true. like, really weirded out, yep. too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, this would be bizarre for her. Yeah. Um, okay, so you want to marry me, and then we're going to have kids. and But this is supposed to be, like, the way it's supposed to be, not – uh, not the way that she normally conducts things.
1: And do you want their names to be... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. This is
0: great because I need some, some baby names. I. <laughs> yeah? We haven't. Ha- we don't have any yet.
1: Yeah, I think we've... we've, we've so if uh, you really
0: shoot some at me right now, then we go. I think going
1: to help. <laughs> Maybe. You're going to get a lot of material over
2: the next several months. Yeah. I mean, uh, so a couple days ago, you had the idea you could be Emmanuel. You can name the child Emmanuel. Oh, yep. that's <laughs> bold. That, that is very bold. Because um, that was another one of these enacted symbols. So there was an actual yes. baby that happened. It carried a message... And And then, shoot, it even became a type of Christ. So that
1: was like... Oh, yeah, you the could... Tri- the triple play. Yes. You could also name your son, like, Maharshalal. Marshall, Marshall.
0: <laughs> Maharshalal. Oh, man, I lost it. I had it memorized. Well, I just said it. I don't know why, I, I don't know why you're correcting me. Valshaz or something. I
2: apologize to anyone who has <laughs> just picked up this podcast. Just go back a couple days. Yeah. That was a few days back, and that'll make a For whole lot more sense.
0: Although, um, speaking of the past, I'm thinking of, like, Hosea and Jonah. I'm kind of, like, comparing the two in my mind as far as what we read directly. So... God tells Jonah to get up and go to Nineveh. Jonah gets up and then goes the opposite direction. Um, so I'm thinking of just like there's obedience and then he mm-hmm. disobeys. But here God says, Hosea, go marry a prostitute. And Hosea goes and marries a prostitute. There's like no argument. He just obeys. Isn't that crazy? That but like, is crazy. All God asked Jonah to do was to go to a different nation and he didn't. And then God asked Hosea to go marry a prostitute and he
2: does it. And then, even when they do have kids, God gives them the names, uh, which is part of the message. Uh, So, you've got the daughter Loruma, who which that means not loved. That Israel, you are you have sinned, you are no longer loved. That uh, and it's not a great girl name. And yes, probably don't go with that one. Not loved Moshe. Yeah, we don't want to do that.
1: Um, (laughs) That would not be good. Uh, Was that an announcement? Though you're looking for girl names.
0: Oh yeah, I need girl names.
1: Oh, all right.
0: Oh, no, no. Sorry. I don't
1: know. Oh. I'm just thinking. Oh, we I almost didn't... had a gender reveal no, right I... here on the podcast. I thought we did. I don't know, but tonight we Somebody cue we know. The,
2: the pink streamers. <laughs> Dustin? Okay, next time we record, we'll know, actually, so I
0: can just make an announcement on here.
2: Okay. We are, uh, we're getting a little bit off. Sorry. Track go here. ahead. Anyway. <laughs> uh, then we've also got um, uh, their son is named Loruma. And then another son is named Loami. And this is actually the one that sticks out to me the most because this represents not uh, not my people. And basically God says, Israel is not my people and I am not their God. And that is, it. as you've been journeying through the Old Testament so far, that is like, that's like a knife to the heart. Hmm. That is like, oh my gosh, the whole Old Testament has been saying God's desire, his greatest heart is, I want them to be my people and I will be their God. And here he's saying That's not who you are. You're not my people and I'm not your God. And it's like, I mean, every time I see
1: this portion of the book, it's just like, oh my gosh, that is so sad. Uh, That does go along with this theme of reversal that we see actually playing out in, in history. Uh, at this time. So when I talk about reversal, like, as we've tracked God's whole story, he reveals himself to Abraham says, you're going to have tons of generations, you're going to have tons of kingdoms, you're going to possess this certain specific land. What's actually happening now is the reversal of that. Um, they're, they're, you can't even find the ten tribes anymore. They're physically removed from the land. Actually, Israel and Judah are physically removed from the land. Like, God actually takes it back. Um, And so when he says, not my people, it actually, I mean, it is fulfilled, Mm -hmm. um, but it, it just coincides and supports that idea of like, wow, we're watching a very stunning reversal of what God has been doing. And,
2: but at the same time, following these, then there is that, that turn, there is that ability that, but one day again, I will plant you one day again, you will be my people. And it's. Some You have to kind of track with this in the prophetic literature, this like, okay, the judgment is fulfilled. Uh, it has happened. Israel is going to exile. This message is heard by lots of individuals. So some of those individuals probably heard this message and repented. They've got that future restoration. Even if they don't come back physically, they get to be a part of the kingdom of God. But then Judah, the southern kingdom, they hear this message, and if they turn from their wicked ways— they're going to ha- receive this restoration. So every time there is a message of judgment in the prophets, there's, there is always a, an opportunity for restoration. In fact, the book ends with kind of that call that, but you can return. Uh, come back to me. The nation, you're going to be judged. Probably tomorrow, we're going to see some historical readings about this nation being judged. But there is that opportunity for uh, restoration.
0: Hmm. Um, can I ask a question about a specific part of the text? You can try. Okay, I'm gonna try.
2: We might edit it out. <laughs> might not make the cut.
0: <laughs> so, Hosea 7 1 says, I want to heal Israel, but its sins are too great. How would you read that? Like, would you read it literally, or is that hyperbole?
2: <laughs> I would just say that, you know, uh, the time for judging is at hand. Like, of course, God can forgive all their sins, and He does have that ability, but like they have gone so far uh, and he's given them so many opportunities that God is, he is forgiving, but he's also a God of justice. And his justice is not evil. It's not mean, but justice means that there are consequences to your actions. These are the consequences that were warned about way back in Deuteronomy. If you disobey me, I'm sending you into exile to another nation. So, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I look and I go, man, uh, God had a lot more patience than I did. Like, I would have sent them in exile a long time ago. (laughs) Timeout would have happened way before this. So I think that's kind of what it means. Not that God is unable to forgive, but like, it's time.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Uh, We actually just, uh, I just had a conversation with a group of students about that last night. It was actually like a pretty engaging discussion um, coming, just answering questions and stuff from them. um, Because you look at a text like this and a lot of times the way that we read or interact with the Bible is through like a sermon or something. That's like a very tiny snapshot. And so if you look at these small pieces, it does kind of look like God's pretty judgy. Like it does look like God's pretty quick to anchor. <laughs> um, but what's very important to understand, I feel like we've repeated this a lot, but it, it's very important that it sticks with us is that this is generation upon generation. This is hundreds of years. This is actually maybe thousands of years. Um, oh man. Is it up until this point from like Abraham and stuff? Yeah, we're it's pretty far. We're definitely thousands. Um, so there's there's incredible grace in that. Now, one of the really interesting questions that I got from a student was, okay, so there's grace in that. He's been putting off this judgment for thousands of years. Is that is that just like is, is that justice? Um, what do you think, Chris? Lost the ball. I mean. Somehow God is
2: 100% gracious and 100% just all at the same time. And just because we can't figure it out doesn't mean it's not true. It just means we're not God. Right. Um,
0: I think if you're going to question God's justice, there's a lot of other things. You're, I mean, you're a very confident person then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well, so true. What, what, what I told them is that like, we still see judgment. Judgment still happens. It's just like there's grace in there for a very long period of time. Um, I don't think it means that those people got off. Like, I I don't think it means that, because I think they were still judged, you know, for their lifetime. Sin has consequences. Yeah, I think— Even if you're forgiven, sin has consequences. Yeah, I think you can make the case that that it's not unjust at all. I mean, obviously, it's God. He can do whatever he wants. But I think it actually is in line with his character very much. And I think what rises to the top is actually his grace and Mm -hmm. compassion, not his judgment.
2: And the more you spend time in the Old Testament, you realize— The God of the Old Testament is no different than the God in the New Testament. It's just, uh, you have to, you see it in different ways, but he he is so gracious.
1: I would actually say for me personally, that is becoming clearer and clearer every single passage that we read. It's just like, yeah, there's definitely no difference. So, hey, in the middle
2: of a prophetic book that's talking about prostitution, (laughs) whoredom, adultery... Um, man, there is some beautiful things that we can see about faithfulness, but there is, there is also some beautiful things we can learn about God and His character.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Hey, guys, uh, we are actually enjoying this a lot. We hope that you're enjoying Hosea as well, taking something away from this. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Hosea 9, beginning in verse 1.
0: O people of Israel, do not rejoice as other nations do, for you have been unfaithful to your God, hiring yourselves out like prostitutes, worshiping other gods on every threshing floor. So now your harvest will be too small to feed you. There will be no grapes for making new wine. You may no longer stay here in the Lord's land. Instead, you will return to Egypt, and in Assyria you will eat food that is ceremonially unclean. There you will make no offerings of wine to the Lord. None of your sacrifices there will please Him." They will be unclean, like food touched by a person in mourning. All who present such sacrifices will be defiled. They may eat this food themselves, but they may not offer it to the Lord. What then will you do on festival days? How will you observe the Lord's festivals? Even if you escape destruction in Assyria, Egypt will conquer you, and Memphis will bury you. Nettles will take over your treasures of silver. Thistles will invade your ruined homes. The time of Israel's punishment has come. The day of payment is here. Soon Israel will know this all too well. Because of your great sin and hostility, you say, the prophets are crazy and the inspired men are fools. The prophet is a watchman over Israel for my God. Yet traps are laid for him wherever he goes. He faces hostility even in the house of God. The things my people do are as depraved as that what they did in Gibeah long ago. God will not forget. He will surely punish them for their sins. The Lord says, O oh Israel, when I first found you, it was like finding fresh grapes in the desert. When I saw your ancestors, it was like seeing the first ripe figs of the season. But then they deserted me for Baal Peor, giving themselves to that shameful idol. Soon they became vile, as vile as the God they worshipped. The glory of Israel will fly away like a bird, for your children will not be born or grow in the womb or even be conceived." Even if you do have children who grow up, I will take them from you. It will be a terrible day when I turn away and leave you alone. I have watched Israel become as beautiful as Tyre, but now Israel will bring out her children for slaughter. O Lord, what should I request for your people? I will ask for wombs that don't give birth, and breasts that give no milk. The Lord says, All their wickedness began at Gilgal. There I began to hate them. I will drive them away from my land because of their evil actions. I will love them no more because all their leaders are rebels. The people of Israel are struck down, their roots are dried up, and they will bear no more fruit. And if they give birth, I will slaughter their beloved children." My God will reject the people of Israel because they will not listen or obey. They will be wanderers, homeless among the nations. How prosperous Israel is a luxuriant vine loaded with fruit. But the richer who you will get, the more pagan altars they build. The more bountiful their harvest, the more beautiful their sacred pillars. The hearts of the people are fickle. They are guilty and must be punished. The Lord will break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Then they will say, we have no king because we didn't fear the Lord. But even if we had a king, what could he do for us anyway? They spout empty words and make covenants they don't intend to keep. So injustice springs up among them like poisonous weeds in a farmer's field. The people of Samaria tremble in fear for their calf idol at Beth-Avon, and they mourn for it. Though its priests rejoice over it, its glory will be stripped away. This idol will be carted away to Assyria, a gift to the great king there. Ephraim will be ridiculed, and Israel will be shamed because its people have trusted in this idol. Samaria and its king will be cut off. They will float away like driftwood on an ocean wave. And the pagan shrines of Avon, the place of Israel's sin, will crumble. Thorns and thistles will grow up around their altars. They will beg the mountains, bury us, and plead with the hills, fall on us. The Lord says, O Israel, ever since Gibeah, there has only been sin and more sin. You have made no progress whatsoever. Was it not right that the wicked men of Gibeah were attacked? Now, whenever it fits my plan, I will attack you too. I will call out the armies of the nations to punish you for your multiplied sins. "'Israel is like a trained heifer, treading out the grain. "'An easy job she loves, "'but I will put a heavy yoke on her tender neck. "'I will force Judah to pull the plow "'and Israel to break up the hard ground. "'I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness "'and you will harvest a crop of love. "'Plow up the hard ground of your hearts.' For now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. But you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruit of lies, trusting in your military might, believing that great armies can make your nation safe. Now the terrors of war will rise among your people. All your fortifications will fall, just as when Shalman destroyed Beth Arbel, Even mothers and children were dashed to death there. You will share that fate, Bethel, because of your great wickedness." When the day of judgment dawns, the king of Israel will be completely destroyed.
1: When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called him my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the further he moved on from me, offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand, but he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I stooped to feed him. But since my people refuse to return to me, they will return to Egypt and will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates. They will destroy them, trapping them in their own evil plans, for my people are determined to, to desert me. They call me the Most High, but they don't truly honor me. Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or dis- demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel, for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you, and I will not come to destroy, for some day the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion, and when I roar, my people will return trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt. Trembling like doves, they will return from Assyria, and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. Israel surrounds me with lies and deceit, but Judah still obeys God and is faithful to the Holy One. The people of Israel feed on the wind. They chase after the east wind all day long. They pile up lies and violence. They are making an alliance with Assyria while sending olive oil to buy support from Egypt. Now the Lord is bringing charges against Judah. He is about to punish Jacob for all his deceitful ways and pay him back for all he has done. Even in the womb, Jacob struggled with his brother when he became a man. He even fought with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and won. He wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. There at Bethel, he met God face to face, and God spoke to him. The Lord God of heaven's armies, the Lord is his name. So now come back to your God, act with love and justice, and always depend on him. But no, the people are like crafty merchants selling from dishonest scales. They love to cheat. Israel boasts, I am rich. I've made a fortune all by myself. No one has ever caught me cheating. My record is spotless. But I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt, and I will make you live in tents again as you do each year at the festival of shelters. I sent my prophets to warn you with many visions and parables. But the people of Gilead are worthless because of their idol worship, and in Gilgal too they sacrifice bulls. Their altars are lined up like heaps of stone along the edges of a plowed field. Jacob fled to the land of Aram, and there he earned a wife by tending sheep. Then by a prophet the Lord brought Jacob's descendants out of Egypt, and by that prophet they were protected. But the people of Israel have bitterly provoked the Lord, so the Lord will now sentence them to death in payment for their sins." When the tribe of Ephraim spoke, the people shook with fear, for that tribe was important in Israel. But the people of Ephraim sinned by worshiping Baal and thus sealed their destruction. Now they continue to sin by making silver idols, images shaped skillfully with human hands. Sacrifice to these, they cry, and kiss the calf idols. Therefore they will disappear like the morning mist, like dew in the morning sun, like chaff blown by the wind, like smoke from a chimney. I have been the Lord your God ever since I brought you out of Egypt. You must acknowledge no God but me, for there is no other Savior. I took care of you in the wilderness, in that dry and thirsty land. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, you became proud and forgot me. So now I will attack you like a lion, like a leopard that lurks along the road, like a bear whose cubs have been taken away. I will tear out your heart. I will devour you like a hungry lioness and mangle you like a wild animal. You are about to be destroyed, O Israel. Yes, by me, your only helper. Now, where is your king? Let him save you. Where are all the leaders of the land, the king and the officials you demanded of me? In my anger, I gave you kings, and in my fury, I took them away. Ephraim's guilt has been collected, and his sin has been stored up for punishment. Pain has come to the people like the pain of childbirth, but they are like a child who resists being born. The moment of birth has arrived, but they stay in the womb. Should I ransom them from the grave? Should I redeem them from death? O death, bring on your terrors. O grave, bring on your plagues, for I will not take pity on them. Ephraim was the most fruitful of all his brothers, but the east wind, a blast from the Lord, will arise in the desert. All their flowing springs will run dry and their wells will disappear. Every precious thing they own will be plundered and carried away. The people of Samaria must bear the consequences of their guilt because they rebelled against their God. They will be killed by an invading army. Their little ones dashed to death against the ground. Their pregnant women whipped op- ripped open by swords. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. "'Say to him, forgive all our sins and graciously receive us "'so that we may offer you our praises. "'Assyria cannot save us, nor can our war horses. "'Never again will we say to the, to the idols we have made, "'You are our gods. "'No, and you alone do the orphans find mercy.' "'The Lord says, then I will heal you of your faithfulness. "'My love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever.' I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like the lily. It will send roots deep into the soil like the cedars in Lebanon. Its branches will spread out like beautiful olive trees, as fragrant as the cedars of Lebanon. My people will again live under my shade. They will flourish like grain and blossom like grapevines. They will be as fragrant as the wines of Lebanon. O Israel, stay away from idols. I am the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. I am like a tree that is always green. All your fruit comes from me. Let those who are wise understand these things. Let those with discernment listen carefully. The paths of the Lord are true and right, and righteous people live by walking in them. But in those paths, sinners stumble and fall.